Hey, everybody, and welcome inside another episode of A Call Away. It's Adam Giardino with you, broadcaster for the AAA Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders, and we're going to get you all caught up on the week that was here in the minors with an extra special focus on the top level of the New York Yankees minor league system. The Rail Riders are finally catching their breath after 22 games in 20 days with a handful of doubleheaders mixed in there. They went 15-7 and seven during this stretch, and they've gone from trailing in the IL North Division to now having a five-and-a-half game lead over second-place Lehigh Valley. So it's been an incredibly successful stretch. We've got a lot of really good things to talk about. We're going to hear from D.D. Gregorius. He was on rehab for the Rail Riders for seven games. The results weren't great for Didi, but obviously, first couple games back with New York, he was four for his first eight with a home run, all is well, and just glad to see that we were able to keep Didi healthy and that we were able to get Precious Cargo back up to the Bronx in one piece. So we're going to hear from him, and it's more of a group interview setting with the writers up in Buffalo when we got to town up there, but there's a lot of good insight. We heard one of the quotes where, Didi learned to play the piano while he was recovering from Tommy John surgery, Elton John surgery, some people called it. And Didi also went in a little bit with us at the time about other interests that he has and how he's not just a one-trick pony as he was sitting around recovering from that UCL tear. We will also hear from Tommy Phelps, the pitching coach for the Rail Riders, as this thing's starting to turn around in a big way for the pitching staff. Team at the moment is third in the IL in Team ERA. They're also second in batting average, so when you wonder where this turnaround is coming from in AAA, well, the team's starting to get some guys back in Tyler Wade and Mike Talkman. Tyro Estrada's just joined the team. So the offense, that makes sense. All the guys that were up helping New York for a period at the early part of this year, they're back here now. And really, a lot of the arms are starting to figure out what they need to do to be successful. And Tommy Phelps has been a huge part of that. So we're going to get A few really good minutes with Tommy on the podcast as well. It'll be a solo version of Broadcast Banter. This week, Adam Marco is on the road solo. He'll be carrying all of the broadcast just himself. Three games down in Norfolk, three games down in Durham. That's the Baltimore Orioles and the Tampa Bay Rays AAA affiliates. So I'll be handling the Broadcast Banter portion of the segment, making it more of a broadcast monologue, and I'll try to insert witty comments here and there as I see fit. And then putting a capper on it, as always, with the report from around the system down in single-A Charleston, high-A Tampa, double-A Trenton, and Adam Marco wrapping it up with a report from here with Scranton Wilkes-Barre. So let's get into the highlights from the past week. And as mentioned, this team is really on a roll. And so we pick things up on Tuesday, June 4th in Buffalo. And it was actually a game that the Rail Riders got out on the right foot, though it was a game that they dropped. The game began with a solo home run from Trey Ambergie, the leadoff hitter, his eighth of the year, and by week's end, he'd be in double-digit homers, so it was a nice week for Trey. And as Granton Wilkes-Barre got two runs in the first inning, they also got a couple of zeros thrown up by Daniel Camarena, and so in the third, it was Trey Ambergie coming to bat again. The wind-up and pitch by Fearbend. It's a swing and a line drive out to left field, and this is gone. Two at-bats and two homers out of the leadoff spot for Trey Ambergie. Scranton Wilkes-Barre now leads 3-0 in the top of the third. 3-0 Rail Riders on top, but Buffalo hung five runs in the bottom of the third inning off of Daniel Camarena. And that was all Buffalo needed, 5-4 the final. So Tuesday, it began with a loss against the Buffalo Bisons. 
But the next day was one of the three doubleheaders in the week for Scranton Wilkesbury. Doubleheader on Monday, doubleheader on Wednesday, and they wrap it up with a doubleheader Sunday. So this is Wednesday's twin bill. And game one was a complete game, seven-inning shutout by Chance Adams, allowing just three hits, striking out a pair, getting the 3 nothing win thanks to a couple of runs in the top of the third inning. And in the sixth inning, a run on an RBI single by Brad Miller for some insurance. So 3 nothing in the first game of the doubleheader. And in the second game of the doubleheader, the game was scoreless into the third. Nestor Cortez was spectacular. The Rail Riders held Buffalo. Well, we'll get to it. Scranton Wilkes-Barre's offense in the top of the third inning featured a leadoff double, a fielder's choice, and with two outs, it was still scoreless, but the next two men up were Bravik Valera and Kyle Higashioka. 2-2 pitch, swing and flown in the air to right field. This hit well. McKinney goes back at the wall. He leaps at the wall. It's gone. Rail Riders missed out on an opportunity for a run earlier in the frame, and Bravik Valera there to pick him up. A two-run homer, and the Rail Riders lead 2-0. Eighth home run for Valera, now 26 runs batted in, continues to rake in a Rail Riders uniform. And did I not tell you at the outset of this inning you were going to get us two runs? Well, they scored twice in the top of the third inning off of Sean Moramondo in game one, and they've done it for a 2-0 lead off of Connor Fisk here in the top of the third in game two. Now Kyle Higashioka, he swings and crushes one in the air to left center field. Alford looks up. This is way gone. Somewhere up over 415, 420. I might even take the over. Crushed by Higgy to left center field. And on consecutive pitches, the Rail Riders now have a 3-0 lead. A year ago, Scranton Wilkesbury didn't hit back-to-back home runs, and this year we're already up to at least a half a dozen times, some 60 games into the season. So three nothing Rail Riders led. They added a run in the fourth on a sack fly from Billy Burns, and it was four nothing. That would prove to be the final. We mentioned Nestor Cortez, and we mentioned the complete game shutout from Chance Adams. Adams allowed three hits and a walk but faced just two over the minimum in seven innings because of a caught stealing and a double play that he induced. Now, Nestor Cortez went six innings, one hit, no walks, eight strikeouts, and then J.P. Fireisen came in and tossed a perfect seventh. So what it meant for the Rail Riders was that the first time in about a decade, they had posted 14 innings of scoreless baseball in a day, a total shutout on a day with a doubleheader. But even more impressively... Over 14 innings, the Rail Riders recorded 42 outs. They faced just three batters over the minimum. 45 batters came to bat in 14 innings, and not one of them in 14 innings ever reached second base. It was truly a masterful performance by Adams, Cortez, and Fireisen on Wednesday. Thursday, a bit of a letdown, a 3-2 loss to Buffalo. That wrapped up the series, and the team returned home without a whole lot of fanfare. But then it was a four-game series against the Syracuse Mets, one of the teams trying to track them down in the standings. And Friday, Syracuse limited Scranton's offense to just one run, and Syracuse won 3-1 in a game that in the bottom of the fourth inning featured one of the wackiest plays of the year. Bravik Valera walked, Mike Ford walked, and the next man up, Mike Tockman, ended the inning with one swing. 
Mike Talkman trails in the count of ball two strikes. The pitch, swing, line drive right at the first baseman, Herrera, who dives back to the first base bag ahead of Mike Ford. Now the runner takes off for third base. Valera's out, and a triple play. And Jay Bell, Bravig Valera can't believe it. Skyler Schaun punches him out at third base, and it's a 3-5 triple play. And just like that, the bottom of the fourth inning is over. As far as we can tell, the Rail Riders, the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre franchise in 30 years of baseball has never hit into a triple play. They've turned one in their history, and that was the first that they've ever hit into. Again, just part of a 3-1 loss at the hands of the Syracuse Mets. So the following day, on Saturday, they flipped the script on Syracuse after dropping a 3-1 final the day before. And the game was tied at one thanks to an earlier Logan Morrison homer. And with it tied in the bottom of the seventh, up stepped Morrison again. Two balls and a strike. Runner leads at first. The pitch to Morrison. He swings and crushes one to right center field. Davis goes back. It's gone. Second of the game for Logan Morrison. It puts the Rail Riders on top. 3-1 here in the seventh. That was the difference in a 3-1 victory for Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. Now, the next day, the Rail Riders played a pair, a doubleheader, and it was 1-1 in the bottom of the second inning with two outs and the bases loaded for the team's leading home run hitter in Mike Ford. Aza comes set, bases loaded. Here's the 1-2 to Ford. Breaking ball, and it's gone. On to the berm. Mike Ford with a grand slam. And the Rail Riders... Score five in the inning. Lomo with the RBI double and Mike Ford grand slam five runs across. Game one went to the Rail Riders 7-5 and game two was an absolute blowout. The first inning featured seven runs on six hits and three walks. They sent a season best 12 men to the plate. They added two more runs the next inning and it was 9 nothing before you could barely blink. It was such a blowout in game two of a doubleheader that Rene Rivera, longtime big league catcher, 35-year-old, he came in to record the final three outs for Syracuse, giving up a couple of runs on a pair of doubles in the process. 14-3, the final in the last game before the Rail Riders got a day off Monday and then hit the road down to Norfolk, Virginia and Durham, North Carolina for six games in six days. Told you in the open that D.D. Gregorius was with the team and we had some audio on him gathering with the assembled media in Buffalo, and we'll jump right into it. Obviously, we know that he's back and he's feeling good, but that was the first question for all the folks up there with Gregorius still needing a few more games to get under his belt before he returned up to the big leagues. They wanted to know how he was feeling. I'm feeling good. I mean, it's the same standard, just waiting for, to get ready. So that, that's the only thing that's different right now. And uh, the talk is that you might be able to join the team as early as Friday. Do you think that's a possibility? Are like you, you said, like might. You, like you <laughs> said, might. So I don't know. I don't, I don't have the full confirmation on that yet. You're somebody who's always been so team-oriented in terms of how you acknowledge guys on social media after mm. games, um, you know, letting everybody know what everybody did. Uh, how has it been for you just watching this team who's had to rely? I not watched the game at all. I only watched like three games all year. Okay, or just just, just <laughs> knowing how they're how they're doing uh, with with guys who are normally backups or maybe minor league players, uh, 
who are who have been doing as well. And most as most of those guys already have like major leagues experience, so it's not like guys that never played in the big league. So everybody was ready to play. I think that's that was the one big thing. So that's why the team is winning because uh, they're playing good. Everybody come coming together, do the same thing. Mm-hmm. It kind of goes without saying, but um, you know, what do you feel you'll be able to inject? You know, not only with your bat in the lineup, but just your presence when, when you are able to. to you just got to fit in. You just got to fit in. That's all I got to do. just got to fit it back in. <laughs> These rehab games with Scranton, how do you feel in the field? Obviously, coming back from Tommy John, is it that first throw when you were down in Tampa? Was there a point in time where you're like, you know you're back to where you were prior to the surgery? Uh, I mean, I always felt good uh, after the surgery. So, I mean, it only took me a couple of days to uh, – to find my throwing service already. I was throwing quick, so uh, I felt strong after I was throwing, and uh, just told him to keep moving forward. Any adjustments that you're working on with Phil when it comes to getting back at the plate, getting that timing back for AAA pitching versus big league pitching soon? Nah, no adjustments at all. I just try to, just try to barely ball off. I mean, I'm just not going good, but I mean, uh, just missing a lot of five balls and pop-ups. But when I look down at the bat, it's more, mostly barrel misses. So, I mean, it means the timing and everything is getting there. Last week at home, you had a couple of plays with Tyler Wade, a guy who's got plenty of big league experience as well. How much fun is it, no matter what level, for you guys to turn like that snap double play we had against Rochester? Oh, I mean, it's it's always fun, you know, because you're playing the same uh, same baseball. You know, nothing changes. It's only it's only down here. It doesn't matter what league you're playing. It's still baseball. Nothing changes. Like I keep saying that all the time. But it's just uh, you go out there have fun. I think that's the most uh, most important part of the game. Another aspect I thought was pretty fun. I think it was was it Saturday you hit a foul ball to the lehigh valley dugout and you look over big laugh everybody throws their hands up in the air i mean you probably don't have too much experience with gary jones and greg leg but it's it's a i mean it's a mentality it's because i played uh their pitching coach i played for him while i was down there in australia so uh in 2010 and so after i hit a ball i got and i told him i just wanted to see if you're awake or not so (laughs) so that's how everybody's laughing and, uh, and throwing hands you finish off this rehab assignment these last couple of games you hope with scranton Anything that you're setting out as a goal for yourself, you know, is it just playing every day or playing back-to-back days? Every day. Playing every day, I think that's what I want to do because that's uh, what I've always been doing. Playing every day helps you better, and uh, you can keep your timing. I don't know if you've had uh, another experience where you've had to miss this much time before in your Major League Baseball career, and I'm sure it hasn't been easy for you at all. What 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 is that experience um, just sort of been like for you, and has it maybe even been a little bit of a – of a learning experience it's it's been actually easy for me because i'm not just a baseball player you know i do a lot of stuff on the side and uh, all i did the whole time i was out is working on my animation and all that stuff so uh, i'm i'm pretty much more than just a baseball player i do a lot of stuff off the field so i kept doing all those things so it was uh i I won't say relaxing like downtime but i mean it was a rehab time but uh, i used i used most of it what do you mean by the animation thing? Just oh, I do a lot of I do a lot of animation and all that stuff. Really? So yeah, that's cool. So I'm not just a one trick pony like people think. I. <laughs> Back inside a call away, Adam Giardino with you, and for the first time this year, we are doing broadcast banter without another broadcaster. Adam Marco's headed with the team down south in Norfolk and Durham, and so I'm steering the ship solo on broadcast banter this week. I thought about using multiple voices to try and pretend like Marco was here, but alas, we'll do it without him. The topics I want to get into this week 
Tyro Estrada's return from the big leagues. Want to talk about Logan Morrison and Mike Ford and how much pressure they're really applying on Kendry Morales and the New York Yankees to perhaps make a decision that they weren't exactly expecting to make after completing that trade with the Oakland Athletics. The pitching staff and what we're starting to see out of them just as a whole and throw out some other names that the New York Yankees and and their fans are going to really start be bandying about a lot more as we get into the warmer months of the season. So for Tyro Estrada, he went up to the big leagues and started 13 games, including a couple of games in left field. And that was really interesting for us, having seen Tyro the last couple of years here in AAA. I had the opportunity to work with him, be with him down in AA with the Trenton Thunder. This is my seventh year in the organization, five in AA Trenton, two with the Rail Riders. I had the opportunity to see Tyro really at his best in AA. That was his best professional season to date. Granted, he's still only 23 years old, so he's got a long way to go, and it's really impressive to me, and I think it should be reassuring and impressive to everybody to see a a guy, a kid, go out in the big leagues and play two games in left field, come on defensively in right field once as well off the bench, and just go out and execute defensively because there are a lot of people that – will go out and really have that difficult transition. And whether it's a guy like a Tyler Wade, who the Yankees have been able to transition into the outfield, it just shows how much value some of these young players with a little bit of speed can have going to the outfield and adding another tool to their toolbox. And for Tyro, on top of his 280 average, and that works out to being 14 hits, three of them doubles, three of them homers, he was two for two in steals, the numbers offensively were great. And it's just the fact that he was able to show a side of himself where you think, wow, he can go out and play corner outfield. Maybe he has enough speed to play center field in the big leagues. I'm not terribly sold on that yet. And he's a diminutive guy in terms of height. So it remains to be seen what exactly you're looking for out of the guy. But he profiles perfectly at second base. He can play short. He can play third. He's playing the outfield, which, again, we had never seen really at the minor league level, left and right field doing that in the big leagues adequately. And so, sure, in a pinch, you don't want him to be your starting center fielder perhaps, but if you're telling me that this is a guy that can go out and play six positions in the big leagues at 23 years old and still has a lot of work to do based on the fact that he lost a critical developmental year last year, overcoming a gunshot wound that he suffered while being back home a couple of off-seasons ago in Venezuela. I mean, this is a guy who is 23 years old, but again, is still a year behind the curve in terms of what his abilities are and where he is developmentally. It's incredibly promising for someone who is a, quote, mid-level prospect. He's not a Glaber Torres. He's not a Clint Frazier. He's never been that high on rankings, and yet he's just hit everywhere he's gone. And I remember... A couple of years back in 2017, where it was pretty clear that Tyro Estrada was going to be a big leaguer. Just seeing what he was doing at such a young 21-year-old age at the level he was at in AA, he did too many things well not to succeed in the big leagues. So Tyro is back here in AAA, playing some short, playing some second, probably will get some reps at third. We still haven't seen him play the outfield here, but in a little bit of what we saw from Ronald Torres, perhaps, I think the Yankees are going to try and use a shorter stature Tyro Estrada in a similar role. Meanwhile, from a guy who 
would love to stand on his tiptoes and be six feet. You talk about some of the big bashers in this Rail Riders lineup. And Mike Ford, Logan Morrison, they've been so successful with Ford at the top of the league in so many categories despite being up in New York for a couple of weeks already. And the numbers weren't great in New York from an average perspective, from a power perspective. But for Ford, it really escapes me how this won't in the long term translate to the big leagues. And we've talked to a number of scouts who say the same thing, that last year they looked at Ford and they they just couldn't quite figure out where some of the talent, the numbers had gone because of how good he looked two years ago when he was taken by the Seattle Mariners in the Rule 5 draft. Well, this year, those numbers have reemerged in a bigger and better way than you could have imagined. He's a 40-man roster guy right now. The Yankees found a way to put him on there. And and if things don't turn around for Kendry Morales, I think the cacophony of fans wanting Mike Ford back and the numbers of a guy hitting well over 340 with a ton of power in AAA those numbers will speak too loudly themselves to be overlooked, even though the Yankees just recently made a trade to try and bring a guy in. And Morales, who has had plenty of success in the big leagues in the not-too-distant past. And Logan Morrison, guy that we heard a couple of home runs from this week, his power is starting to show. He's got an out clause coming up in a couple of weeks, and that'll put some pressure on New York because Morrison's not on the 40-man. They would need to clear some space, presumably if they were to call up Logan Morrison, clearing a 40-man roster spot would be as simple as getting rid of Kendry Morales. So is that the decision that the New York Yankees want to make? They'll have decisions to make, there's no doubt about it, and it's just a matter of which way they want to go. And then we turn to the pitching, and with the recent injury of Domingo Herman, you've got Nestor Cortez, you've got Chance Adams, a couple of guys that Yankee fans have already grown familiar with, maybe not too familiar with, But we're starting to see from that complete shutout effort on Wednesday where they combined to go 13 innings and allow four hits between them. These guys are going to be impacting the Yankees at points this year. If you're looking for a starter, I think chance is the better option in terms of starter mentality and starter stuff out of that role. His fastball, 91-93, he gets it up a little higher than that at times. And Nestor has just been one of my absolute favorite players to watch in seven years with the Yankees minor league system. He's a guy that is probably more tailored to a long relief role, at least initially. Maybe he's not set to go out there and give you six, seven innings every fifth day in the big leagues right now, but I don't think that's too far off his radar either. These are two guys who just bring such interesting things to the table for New York, and there's not a whole lot of starting pitching depth behind them. We've already seen David Hale go up to the big leagues and be pretty effective up with New York right now. So hopefully for New York, the injuries don't keep on mounting because after Chance, after Nestor, there's not a whole lot of big league-ready talent right now. But it sure seems that they're fortunate that they've got a couple of guys who can go up and who can give you a couple of different looks depending on what it is, the specific need that you would really do have. So that's going to do it for Broadcast Banter today, and that'll transition us into our conversation with Tommy Phelps, pitching coach for the Rail Riders, longtime pitching coach in the New York Yankees organization. His time overlapped with mine in AA with the Trenton Thunder starting in 2013, and he's taken on just about every role that a pitching coach can have. Even Daniel Camarena, current pitcher for the Rail Riders, referred to him as almost a father figure based on how close those two have gotten over the years. So Tommy Phelps, he's been around the block a time or two. 
he had a lot of interesting things to say specifically about the new baseball and its impact on the offense and the pitching in AAA in 2019. It's definitely an adjustment in respects of the mental side, but it's good in a lot of ways. You know, it's the ball they're using in the major leagues, so I feel like it's it's actually an advantage for the pitchers now to find their comfort because, you know, there's different feels, and obviously the ball reacts differently. So it's a good platform for them to get comfortable and to get used to, you know, what, how the ball's breaking, the adjustments they need to make, and then they can translate it, you know, when they go to the big leagues a lot quicker. Because, you know, in the years past, we've had some pitchers, not all, but have issues, you know, transferring what they were doing here with their stuff and then doing it at the major league level. So it's an adjustment period. It'd be nice if all of minor league baseball was like that, you know, so there wasn't that. You know, once they got in a pro ball and they're in A ball, all their bullpens, all their instructional leagues, everything they're going through, you know, they're playing with the same ball. But, you know, it is what it is. At least now we finally got it in AAA. And, you know, it's something that guys are transitioning in, but it's getting a little beat up a little bit at times. Maybe you see some little fear, some guys getting a little pitching too fine because the ball flies well, especially it seems like we've had a quite a few games this year where the wind's blowing out pretty good. So it's, it's still a game. It's about execution. It's about minimizing your mistakes. It's about being able to make adjustments. And, uh, you know, they're doing that. They're getting better. They're getting sharper. The weather's warming up. Once you get into June, this this should be the good stretch of the season where, you know, Everything gets a little refined. The hitters are getting refined, and, and, you know, it gets fun. Talking with Tommy Phelps, pitching coach for the Rail Riders, we're in a stretch of games right now, and nearing the tail end of, what, 23 games in 20 days and 10 over 7 right now. How do you keep this pitching staff fresh and ready to go when you know the schedule presented? You know we've got the doubleheader yesterday. We've got the doubleheader tomorrow. We've got a doubleheader coming up on Sunday. Are you watching pitch counts? Or how are you tracking this in a – 10-game, seven-day stretch, other than just praying that we make it through? Obviously, you plan and you prepare for it. You know what's upcoming, which is nice. You know, for the last couple of weeks, we've been trying to stretch our relievers out to build some length in case, you know, something happens to one of our starters early and, you know, you don't totally kill your bullpen and then you don't have any pitching the next day. You know, and our organization does a good job of providing depth at other levels. If we need an emergency, like Simple came up in Syracuse last week, and helps it out. I mean, the big thing is you're wanting to take care of your pitchers. You're wanting to take care of their arms and keep them healthy. But, you know, sometimes you're asking to stretch them out a little bit, but you want to make sure they're prepared to be able to handle the workload. And fortunately, we're having starters being able to, to uh, with Nestor coming down from the big leagues, and we got a guy from Double A. So, I mean, it, it helps to have starters that have length. That way, you know, you don't have to really – wear out the bullpen so to speak and you know yesterday worked out great we used three pitchers and you know hopefully tomorrow our two starters go a long way and we we don't have to overload anybody and then we got one more on Sunday and then an off day so regroup and get back to work finally for you a few players that have gone up on your pitching staff to help the New York Yankees this year come back down how difficult is it to manage those guys when they come back because obviously some of them know it might just be a short-term thing but the disappointment still has to set in when you're sent back down from the big league level how do you keep chance and Nestor, joe harvey stephen tarpley how do you keep these guys up how do you keep that positivity up knowing that it wasn't necessarily a long-term thing this time today perhaps but to prove to them that it could be and it will be especially players now they see the track record over the years 
even before I got here, you had like David Robertson that would come up and down, up and down, and he established himself. You know that it's just the way the the game's being managed, and they know the expectation. Yeah, they want to stay there. They want to prove that they can pitch there. You know, they just got to keep in the right mindset. It's a big thing. Not feeling entitled. Not feeling you know well getting bitter about it. Just staying focused. Keep working to get better because they got to keep getting better. You got to be better than the guys that are up there staying all the time to stay. So you just you keep preaching the message and and you know keep motivated, keep them working, and go from there. And and, that, and that's the big thing for them is just to come down here and be like, okay, reset. Let's get back to work so I can get back up there again. Big thanks to Tommy Phelps for joining us on the pregame show earlier this week and breaking down everything that we needed to know about where the pitching staff stands and with the new baseball and how it's impacting the pitching side of things as well. Each and every week, we wrap up with reports from around the system. This week, we've got a clean sweep. We've got single-A Charleston with Matt Dean, high-A Tampa with Nick Flamia, double-A Trenton with John Moses, and right here in triple-A with Adam Marco. All right, Matt, you're up. With this look at the Charleston River Dogs, I'm Matt Dean. The River Dogs have won five of their last seven over the past week, keeping pace ahead of the Lexington Legends by a game and a half with nine games remaining in the first half of the season. The River Dogs had seven of their ranks named to the South Atlantic League All-Star Game this week, including left fielder Kanan Smith and right-hander Luis Heal, who will each start the game for the Southern Division on June 18th in West Virginia. River Dogs manager Julio Mascara talked earlier this week about the excitement surrounding Charleston's six initial all-star selections on the ballots. It's very exciting when you, when you have players in your team that, that will represent, represent you in the all-star game. I mean, obviously, we have two pitchers and four position players, which is outstanding, and I think that they deserve it. With Lockridge's late addition on Friday as an injury replacement, Charleston's All-Star ranks rose to seven. Lockridge cracked his 19th and 20th doubles of the season on Saturday, becoming the first Riverdog since Greg Bird in 2013 to collect 22 baggers before the All-Star break. Along with the bevy of All-Star talent on the roster, Mascara has also spoken very highly of how the clubhouse chemistry has contributed to Charleston's winning environment. The junior from our players from the American players and the Spanish players is so unique in our team. Because to be honest, I, I walk to the clubhouse and I walk to the dugouts and I hear the American players talking Spanish to the Spanish kids that we have on the team. And I just smile and, and it, it makes me feel good. With this look at the River Dogs, I'm Matt Dean. With the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Nick Flamia. On Friday, Tampa's pitching staff tallied 15 strikeouts in a game for the fourth time this season and a 1-0 win over the Florida Fire Frogs. Right-hander Miguel Yahuri made the start and collected a career-high 10 strikeouts in six shutout innings, lowering his ERA to a team-best 2.64. Yahuri has easily been the most consistent starting pitcher for the Tarpons this season, leading the staff with seven starts of at least six innings pitched, including five quality starts. The 21-year-old will enter his next start, having not allowed a run in 13 consecutive innings. Pitching coach Jose Rosado spoke about why Yahuri has been so impressive. He likes to start the game. He, he takes full responsibility of what he's doing and what he wants to do, you know, what he wants to do. Um, Yahuri also got the, the ability to pitch. Uh, when I say that, he's, he got pitchability, you know, he got that pitchability. And he could throw a, any pitch at any count, you know, to righty or lefty. 
Currently, Yahuri's arsenal consists of a fastball, curveball, and changeup. However, the Venezuelan right-hander is working on developing a slider and a cutter. Rosado, though, does not see Yahuri as a strikeout pitcher. When he's out there, he's looking to, to try to induce some early contact. You know, he's the one that likes to pitch and like to go deeper in the game. So for, for you, uh, for him to do that, he knows that he has to induce that early contact once again. So if they swing and miss that pitch, and then it's a punch out. But um, one thing that he's focused on is to, to throw as many strikes he can throw um, in every single guy. With the Tarpons, I'm Nick Flamia. With the Trenton Thunder, I'm John Moses. The Thunder find themselves in second place in the Eastern Division with just nine games to go in the first half of the season, which will wrap up on Tuesday, June 18th. Right-hander Garrett Whitlock has been solid for the Thunder throughout the 2019 campaign, despite missing about three weeks with a broken fingernail on his right hand. The righty has allowed two earned or fewer in eight of his ten starts this season for the Thunder. Pitching coach Tim Norton observes some improvements that Garrett still has to make in 2019. We know that he can do a little better job on average. Like I said, he just grinds through it, he gets it done no matter what. But he has a good slider. How often can we throw that good slider? His third pitch is a changeup. He has a good changeup. How often can we throw that good changeup? So we're just trying to increase the number of quality ones where they need to be. So in big spots, he can lean on these pitches instead of it most of the time being fastball. Whitlock was solid again on Saturday night, delivering six innings of two-run ball against the Erie Seawolves in a 3-2 loss. With the Thunder, I'm John Moses. With this look at the scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. A busy week of baseball is nearly complete. scranton Wilkesbury is trying to get 10 games in over seven days. The Rail Riders had to finish off a game from April 20th this past Monday, taking on the Buffalo Bisons. Buffalo held a one to nothing lead when play was suspended on Easter weekend, and they finished off the victory, taking out Scranton-Wilkesbury 4-2 in seven innings. In the nightcap, Raynell Espinal and the Rail Riders put together a 9-2 win. Buffalo wins a single game on Tuesday, 5-4, and then Scranton-Wilkesbury sweeps a doubleheader on Wednesday. Chance Adams, the likely International League Pitcher of the Week, worked a seven-inning complete game shutout in Game 1, allowing just three hits. In the nightcap, Nestor Cortez threw a one-hitter for six innings. With J.P. Fireisen finishing off the win, the Rail Riders sweep the twin bill. A single game on Thursday, the series finale, Scranton-Wilkesbury lost 3-2 at Buffalo. 3-1 loss Friday night. Logan Morrison homered twice on Saturday. The Rail Riders win 3-1. And that leads us to Sunday. 12.05 first pitch, two seven-inning games. Scranton-Wilkesbury will make its Copa de la Diversión debut as the Vejigantes in the second of two games. Daniel Camarena and Raynell Espinal get the call for Scranton-Wilkesbury as they try to finish off a 10-game, seven-day week with a winning mark. With the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. That is going to do it for us this week on A Call Away. I'm Adam Giardino. Thanks for making a call away part of your week. If you're new to the Pinstripe Alley Podcast Network, thanks for either checking me out for the first time. We've got a couple of other shows that come out on a regular basis, so make sure you check those out. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Adam Giardino, G-I-A-R-D-I-N-O. I'm embedded with the AAA Rail Riders, so I'll be churning out Yankees minor league content for the next few months. 
I'd love to hear from you and certainly would love to talk Yankee prospects with you on Twitter or email. My email address is ajardino, G-I-A-R-D-I-N-O, at swbrailriders.com, scrantonwilkesbarryrailriders.com. Big thanks to our pregame guests, D.D. Gregorius, Tommy Phelps. Big thanks to the other broadcasters around the system in Matt Dean, Nick Flamia, and John Moses. And thanks to you for making a call away part of your day. We will talk to you again real soon.